the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We are privileged at Anchor Baptist Church to have with us this week Evangelist Tim Schmidt preaching a series of revival services. Tim is a California-raised evangelist based out of Faith Baptist Tabernacle in North Highlands, California. He has traveled America itinerantly for 12 years, encouraging pastors, exhorting saints, and evangelizing lost souls in order to exalt our Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is part one of his sermon on complacency. Haggai chapter 1. Now, Haggai is an interesting book in that it gives specific dates. So, we know exactly when this took place. Uh, We have August 29th, 520 B.C., verse 1. September 21st, 520 B.C. So, three weeks have passed uh, in this first chapter. And then October 17th starts uh, chapter 1, or chapter, chapter 2, verse 1. And then chapter 2, verse 10 is December 18th, 520 B.C. So we pick it up here, Haggai chapter 1, and verse number 1. It says, In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, and again this is August 29th, 520 B.C., came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet unto Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, saying, What's the message? Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time is not come. The time of the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Ye have sown much, and bring in little, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm, and he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Go up to the mountain, and bring wood, and build the house, and I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. And that's our text this morning, but I'm going to continue to read till the end of the chapter. It says, You looked for much, and lo, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts? Because of mine house that is waste, and ye run every man into his own house. So the people still aren't quite understanding. It is God that has been opposing them. It is God that has been against them, that's causing uh, these things. And verse number 10, Therefore the heaven over you is stayed from, the, from dew, and the earth is stayed from her fruit. <coughs> and I called for a drought upon the land, and upon the mountains, and upon the corn, and upon the new wine, and upon the oil, and upon that which the ground bringeth forth, and upon men, upon cattle, and upon all the labor of the hands. So much of their sin, it's, it's affecting all of this. Then verse number 12, Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Josedek. Now this isn't the same Joshua as Joshua and Caleb, this is a different Joshua. The high priest, with all the remnant of the people, and I wish there were more verses like this in Scripture, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. When they heard, they, they you know, realized that it was God that was was opposing them, then they uh, humbled themselves, they obeyed the voice of the Lord their God, and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent them, and the people did fear 
before the Lord. And oh, how we need that in our country. We need that in our churches. We need the fear of the Lord. Verse 13, Then spake Haggai, the Lord's messenger, in the Lord's message unto the people, saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. And what can you do if God's with you? And the Lord we see reviving. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and did work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. In the four and twentieth day of the sixth month, again, this is September 21st, in the second year of Darius the king. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, this morning... I am not interested in going through the motions of another church service. I'm not interested in going through the motions of another message or another Sunday morning service. Lord, I, Lord, I pray as, as I just woke up this morning just thinking this could be the last time. Lord, this could be my last day. This could be the last opportunity we'll have to gather together. Lord, you may come back today. Lord, you said, boast not thyself tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, arrest us, Lord, with... Uh, with your attention and with eternity, I pray, Lord, that as we've opened up your word, that you would open up our hearts. Lord, where there is coldness and callousness, and Lord, there's been many times I've come to services with my heart not being right with you. I pray that you'd rip that callousness off of our hearts and give us a heart of tenderness, that the seed of the word of God would fall upon that good ground, that would grow and produce fruit into uh, our lives. Lord, I pray that you would bind the evil one. I ask, Lord, that you would dominate here this service today and all the rest of this day. Lord, we have come here for you. Who we need is you. Who we want is you. Lord, we need food today, but we need you more than that. Lord, we need water today, but we need you more than that. Lord, we need uh, air today, but Lord, we need you even more than that. Lord, we are desperate for you. Lord, we, we have to have you. You said, or That song, songwriter said, all is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One comes down. And so, Lord, I ask that you would meet with us here this morning, that you would draw us nearer to you by us being here today. And I pray that there's any here that does not know thee as Savior, that they would come to that saving knowledge of you before it is eternally too late. Lord, please exalt yourself. Get the glory that is due to your name. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. We see here in Haggai that God has sent him to, uh, to revive the people. Uh, they were, they had laid the foundation of the temple, but now apathy and, and complacency and a lot of other things come in. They've got different, uh, enemies from without and they got distracted from the work that God called them to do. And they instead built their own homes and the house of God is lied waste. Fifteen years have passed from the foundation of the temple to where we have now, and God is going to send here Haggai to preach to the people, to get them to, to get stirred up once again, to get revived back to the work that God had called them to do. They had the spirit of complacency. As I travel across the country, I see that spirit of complacency. I mean, even uh, I mean, I think of COVID. I'm so glad we're not in 2020 this year. Uh, I think of COVID, and and uh, you know they would preach to us, uh, you know, don't become complacent uh, with COVID, and make sure you have separation, and, and oh how our country preached on separation and not having complacency. Uh, but I wish that it was towards righteousness and holiness, uh, and our country was probably as sanitized, as clean as it had ever had been, but not in the eyes of God. And there's so much complacency though that has swept across our country. It's swept across all kinds of churches uh, that have become complacent towards the things of God. 
But even closer than that, I mean, even in the good churches that, uh, that I'm in, I find complacency. I even find complacency in my home church, Faith Baptist there in Sacramento, where I find complacency in my own heart. And here God is calling them out of their complacency. He doesn't want them to stay in the condition that they're in. And the title of the message is, The Call Out of Complacency. If there's ever a time for the church to hear the call and arise out of its complacency, it is now. We are called to do a work, and we must be busy in the work that God has called us to do. We see, number one, the cause of complacency. Number two, the cost of complacency. And then number three, the cure for complacency. To be revived out of complacency, we must return to putting God first in our lives. Now, what is the definition of complacency? It is this, self-satisfaction, especially when accompanied by unawareness of actual dangers or deficiencies. Self-satisfaction, especially when accompanied by unawareness of actual dangers or deficiencies. They were self-satisfied with where they're at spiritually. Does that describe you right now? That you're satisfied with where you're at and your Christian walk? Oh, we all ought to have this passion as 1 Peter 2, 2, as newborn babes desires the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. There ought to be a more of a, a deeper passion for God's word, but maybe you've grown cold and callous towards God's word. Maybe you've grown cold and callous to the place of prayer. Maybe you've grown cold and callous to uh, the loss that are all around you. Now, as I'm thinking about it right now, I, I, uh, I think of uh, one of my evangelist friends, Paul Crow, and Many years ago, he came to Los Angeles. I don't know if it was the very first time, but uh, he and I went to a, uh, a pastor's fellowship in uh, Los Angeles. And, and so we went to that fellowship. He was driving, and you know now it's nighttime, and we're driving. We see all the city lights. And Paul was, was just crying. And he says, Tim, don't you see it? I mean, all these you know, millions of people that need Christ. Tim, does this not stir you? Does it not move you? And, I, and I, there was no emotion for me. And I'm not guy, at least until I met Megan. But, uh, you know, and I said, Paul, I've gotten used to it. I've gotten used to living here. We don't even see it. 40 million, almost 40 million, uh, many have moved away, but uh, 40 million people in California. You know, we're never going to run out of people to witness to. We're not going to witness to the wrong person. And yet we can become so complacent in the place that we live. And here the people, they've come back to Jerusalem, but they become complacent. And so God wants to stir them up again. He says in verse number 2, Thus speak of the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say. Now it's interesting. One, he refers to himself as the Lord of hosts. For not doing the work that God has called us to do. They had no excuse of why it wasn't being done. Because he is the Lord of hosts. Now, he doesn't just say, uh, he doesn't just say, um, uh, my people. He says, this people say. He's... This is a, implies a divine rebuke. Because throughout Scripture, you hear God saying, my people. Now he's saying this people because God's people aren't acting as his people. He says, you're not acting like my people. This people say, the time has not come, the time the Lord's house should be built. Uh, complacency comes when we become distant from the Lord. You see, they had in their mind that what certain things that God wanted, but they were wrong. They didn't have his heartbeat. They didn't know where God was leading them. They'd become distant from the Lord. Complacency comes when we become distant from the Lord. They were not in tune with Him. They did not know His will. 
They had preconceived ideas about what they what God wanted, but they were wrong. And we sometimes don't even realize how far away we've drifted from the Lord spiritually. We become so complacent, we don't see the distance that has happened. My wife and I, last not last weekend, two weekends ago, uh, we were at a marriage conference, and we wanted to go to a marriage conference, hadn't been to one in many, many years. And we pulled into the hotel where it was uh, being hosted at, and Megan said, you know, we're not going to this marriage conference because, you know, we've got a lot of problems in our marriage, like Phil and Jane. But, uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm picking on Phil here. But, uh, you, know, you know, we're not going to this marriage conference because, you know, we have a lot of things we need to work on. But, but as we were in that marriage conference, I'm like, oh, yeah, oh, I do this. And I shouldn't. And, and I realized, wow, Megan, we've got a long ways to go. I didn't realize how complacent we had become. And maybe in this time that we're together, these next several days, you're going to realize, wow, yeah, I really have become complacent with my walk with the Lord. Oh, God wanted to have that, that closeness, that fellowship with them, but they had become distant to the Lord. They didn't have his heartbeat. And so God sends Haggai, and he wants them to hear uh, to hear his words, but first he hears what they say. It says here in verse number 2, this, this people say, the time has not come. The time of the Lord's house should be built. You know, God hears our speech. He says in uh, Matthew twelve thirty six. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. God hears your words. God hears your words of complaining, of murmuring, of griping. Uh, we had a men's we host a men's meeting every year, and David Gibbs, the Christian Law Association, came a couple of years ago, and he preached on the matter of complaining and griping. You know, do all things without murmurings and disputings. And I, and, I, and I, you know, the invitation was all done, and he was giving some closing remarks, and I'm up on the platform, and, and, uh, and he says, how many of you will go home to your wife and you'll say, no more complaining? Uh, God spoke my heart, no more complaining. And I'm thinking, oh, man, I'm on the platform. I have to raise my hand. All these guys are looking at me, and so I raised my hand, and I'm like, all right, no more complaining. Uh, and so I went, I went home, and I said, all right, Megan, I mean, David Gibbs preached this message on complaining and griping, and and, uh, and I said, I'm done with it, no more complaining. And, uh, and so I did good for probably about six weeks. And then uh, you know, I start seeing that complaining spirit just coming right back. You know, God hears all of that. He hears the murmurings. And many times we complain, we're ultimately, as, as uh, in Exodus chapter 16, it, uh, they weren't complaining to Moses, they were complaining against God. You know, we gripe and complain, God hears our words. And uh, I've got a problem with that. I mean, just uh, Megan and I were talking about it the other day. Uh, you know, man, I've gotten more into that complaining spirit. You know, we complain, and the devil's like, that's it. That's what I want you to do. No, we, we need to be thankful, and everything give thanks. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Here are these people, they're, they're saying, oh, the time's not come. The time of the Lord's house should be built. And some people say, you know what, it's not time for revival in America. It's not time for revival in our church. It's not time for revival in our home. It's not time for revival in my life. And maybe God's saying, it is time. Maybe God's saying to you, no, now is the time to seek me. Now is the time to get some things rebuilt in your life. And so this complacency towards rebuilding the temple reveals their complacency and their fellowship, their closeness with the Lord. So God heard their words, but now God wants them to hear him. He says in verse number 3, Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, 
Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? Now, this is a convicting question. Uh, he's asking this, this question. Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? Now, therefore, thus saith the Lord, convicting statement, Lord of hosts, consider your ways. God wants them now to hear him. Uh, when God speaks, uh, he speaks primarily, of course, through his word. But he'll also use a preacher in your life uh, to speak truth to you. He'll use circumstances. He'll use prayer through the Spirit and, and, uh, and many other different ways. And, but God wants to speak to us through his word. But are we listening to what he has to say? The story I was reading, you know, here's this guy, he's watched the football game, and, and uh, his wife's trying to get his attention. And finally, uh, she says, are you even listening? And uh, then, the, oh, okay, oh, she's talking again. And uh, why do you always start the conversation, are you even listening to me? Uh, and his focus was on that football game. And I don't know how many times, as I've been reading through the scriptures, God has reminded me of that, and I've thought, are you even listening to me? I was just trying to speak to you right there through, through my word. Tim, were you listening? You know, whenever, if there's ever a time for us to listen, it's when God is speaking. When God is speaking to us through his word. Are you listening to his word? You get alone in that devotional time. Are you listening to what God has for you? Have you, have you heard what he's had to say to you? So he asked this question. Uh, is it time for you to dwell in the sealed houses and this house lie waste? Now, God's not asking the question because he doesn't know the answer. <laughs> you know, he knows the answer. What is he trying to do? He's trying to get us to see things from his perspective. I think of Ezekiel and Ezekiel 37. And the question was asked, can these bones live? Can this valley of very dry bones live? And we might think that, oh, it was Ezekiel asking God, God, could you revive the valley of very dry bones? But it wasn't Ezekiel asking the question. It was God asking Ezekiel, do you believe that I can revive the valley of very dry bones? And of course he can revive the valley of very dry bones. And so often God asks that question. He's trying to get us to see it from his perspective. And so complacency comes, we become distant from the Lord, but then complacency comes, we become fixated on our own ways instead of God's ways. They were fixated on building their own homes, and leaving the house of God lie waste. Of course, you and I, we don't have a problem with that, right? We don't live distracted lives, do we? I think of E.M. Bounds, that he lived in the 1800s, and he said, with the invention of trains, uh, he says, we live in such a fast-paced society that it has hurt our prayer life. <laughs> wow. Our devotional life. He says that in the 1800s. We live in a fast, such a fast-paced society. What would he say about us now? With planes and cars, and we're just going all over the place. You know, the cell phone and so many things are clamoring for our attention. And we live so distracted from what God is wanting us to do. And here they were fixated on their own ways instead of God's ways. He says the house of God is lie waste. The word waste means dry, parched ruined, desolate. Does that describe your spiritual life right now? That it's just high waste? That it just seems parched, that it seems dry? Well, don't stay there. Let God revive you out of that. Now, when we become fixated on our own ways instead of God's ways, there's a term for that. 
The term is called backslidden. Proverbs 14, 14. The backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways. You may know in your heart of hearts right now that you're backslidden. Again, I encourage you, don't stay there. The just man falls seven times and rises up again. Get back up. Let God revive you out of that. Uh, Hosea 14 and verse 4 says, I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely, for my anger is turned away from him. And so what are you allowing lie waste in your life? What is it that God, uh, you, you, maybe uh, you had laid some kind of a foundation. Maybe there were some things God was doing in your life. Maybe it was Bible reading. Maybe it was prayer. Maybe it was the matter of soul winning. Uh, and now you're letting those things lie waste in your life. Oh, uh, uh, get to, uh, let God revive you out of those things. Get back to the work that God's called you to do. And so we see the cause of complacency, that it's, uh, complacency comes when we become distant from the Lord and we're fixated in our own ways instead of God's ways. But then number two, the cost of complacency. We'll go ahead and take a break at this portion of the sermon, and we will continue it next week on our regularly scheduled program. We hope that this has been an encouraging message from God's messenger to God's people, and we hope you join us again next time to get anchored in Christ. If you're looking for a church family where you can serve, I'd like to invite you to Anchor Baptist Church of San Diego. We are a Christ-centered, family-oriented ministry located at 8245 Ronson Road, Suite D, San Diego, California, 92111. Our services start on Sunday for Sunday school at 9.30 a.m., and our morning worship begins at 10.45. Then we have a brief time of fellowship before we begin our afternoon service at 12.15 p.m. Our midweek Bible study and prayer time is every Wednesday at 7 p.m. And if you or anyone you know is struggling with a destructive, addictive behavior, Anchor Baptist Church offers an addictions recovery ministry, which is a Bible-based recovery program that provides freedom through the power of God and His Word. This program is called Reformers Unanimous, and we meet every Friday at 7 p.m., also at 8245 Ronson Road, Suite D, San Diego, California, 92111. For more information, visit us at www.anchorbaptistchurchsd.org. That's www.anchorbaptistchurchsd.org. Or call us at 619-804-3413. That's 619-804-3413. Anchored in Christ is a radio broadcast supported by donations by faithful listeners like you. If this broadcast has been a blessing to you and you'd like to donate to this broadcast, please visit our website at www.anchorbaptistchurchsd.org giving and donate to Anchored in Christ radio broadcast. Thank you for listening and may God keep you anchored in Christ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.